I'll just uh, wait for everybody to sign in here. A little bit of a change of plans. Hello, hello. I'm just, uh, one second here. Okay, so I'm just going to wait for everybody uh, to log on. Hello, Anita. Hello, Argo. Hello, Lisa. Okay, well, you three are here. I will get started. So um, a slight uh, mishap. Jamie is on his way home um, from a um, from filming. He was doing a bit of a show, and he tried to connect with me just now, uh, and the connection is crap. So I'm on my own tonight. So what we're going to do today for those of you who are listening and watching this live is i'm going to we're going to do uh, a live version of my original uncharted case files so this is actually season will be season three uh episode number two and uh what i'm going to talk about tonight then is is basically our high strangers paranormal database um Hello, Peter. So because we're doing this live, you guys can ask your questions as I go through this. I'm going to share my screen right now, right now. Here we go. And I just want to show you guys. So guys, you have it. I do have a podcast too. It's called Uncharted Case Files. You can find that on the podcast network on the Tesla website. What this is, is actually a po- uh, audio version of the, the original video version that I did when I was with MUFON. Um, damn, I said it again. Said I wouldn't say it last time, but anyway. So uh, this is where you'll find that the first episode that I did. I talked about the the Canadian Current Event Survey, but today, since Jamie's not here and it's just me, I'm going to talk about the Experience of Sport Association's 2019 High Strangeness Paranormal Database Report. Okay, everything is connected, so I'm going to dive into that. Um, this report can be found on the website data and research analysis okay you can see it here high strangers and paranormal database so what this is is there our annual report of the uh cases that were submitted to tessa to be investigated and it's for uh public consumption so if you guys have any questions we'll go from here so this this first front page here actually will display a list of all the cases um, from 2019. So what you see here are are several columns. I'll zoom in here. And see if I can move over. Can't move over. 
Yeah, it's not working for me. So on the left-hand side, we have the, the case numbers. Okay, so if you actually reported to Tessa and you were given a case file, your case file number will be on the left-hand side. Anything that's in green was considered unidentified, okay? Uh, the next column here, we have number of witnesses. We have um, whether or not the person would like to be anonymous, uh, the, the sex, so male or female. We have the uh, location, so the city that they're, that they're from, the region that they're from, the country, the region code, the occurrence date, um, the age, time, duration, time of event, feeling, evidence type, injuries, blood type, high strangeness type, and subcategory, and the rationality and classification. So this is just data. This is a data set for those uh, who are actually doing the research here. Um, do, 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 do. Argo asked a question. I'll throw that up here. Uh, if you had to give a percentage of your high strangeness files that include Bigfoot or other cryptids, not including gray and mantids, mantis beings or other true aliens. Well, actually, um, I can show you that percentage just in a few minutes here. So as I go down here, so this, this annual report is uh, going to be, this is the baseline, essentially. So for future years, what I'll do is I'll compare this data to uh, 2020's data. And with this data is how Tessa is going to show our uh, forever development of, of this uh, measuring this phenomenon. So um, this report focuses specifically on unidentified events. So from here, from January 1st, 2019 to December 31st, 2019, Tessa had received a total of 66 reports of events considered to be of high strangeness and paranormal origin. These 66 events have been charted as follows. 21% are identified, 32% are inconclusive, which basically means I can't come to a conclusion to either confirm or deny it. And 47% of these are unidentified. So 14 events, you know, so 21 and 31. So 31 events are, are unidentified. Once I break that down, um, here are the witnesses here. So we have an 81 percentage of, uh, single witnesses. We have a split between of 6% between two, three, and four, or five or more witnesses here. Okay. So this just gives an average, um, out of the 31, 81%, which is 25, chose to be anonymous, but 19% chose to uh, identify themselves, which I find, you know, there's, there's, there's a good variance there. Um, we have a large percentage, 52% of these cases occurred in Ontario. 13% would have been, uh, do, 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 what's that, blue? Nova Scotia. We also have... 10% would be, where are we at here? 10%. Sorry, so we'll just do it this way. Four events occurred in the province of Nova Scotia. One event occurred in the province of Alberta. 16 in Ontario. Three in British Columbia. Three in Saskatchewan. One in Manitoba. And three events occurred not inside Canada, so which is NIC, okay? 
I'm sorry, I haven't done this, uh, looked at this in a while, and, and this is last minute because Jamie couldn't make it. So this is definitely off the cuff. I'm not unprepared. So if you have any questions about this data, you know, please chime in. So the we have 90% of these cases that were investigated were in Canada. That That's impressive because I am Canadian. This is a Canadian group. Um, this is the information, uh, the data set that I was expecting in future years. I'm hoping to have a fluctuation because we are getting some, uh, international requests as well. One of these events occurred in England and two events occurred in the United States. Um, 23% of the cases occurred in 2019. So they're current. Okay. And, uh, the other 77% happened somewhere between the year 1967 and 2018. Uh, do, 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 do. Out of that, the demographics here for the time, uh, we have 39% of it occurring between midnight and noon, which is considered the morning hours. Um, we have 39% occurring during the evening hours, which is 18, uh, you know, 6 o'clock p.m. to midnight. And then 13% in the afternoon, and then 10% did not put any times. Uh, Argo Tanza asked where I am located. I reside in Ontario, Ontario, Canada. Where are you from, Argo? So moving on, I broke down the time, how long the events lasted based on what the uh, reports uh, have come in. Um, 26% of those cases uh, as have ranged between zero to five minutes in length. And uh, coincidentally, another 26% of those were 60 minutes and above, so really long events. 19% um, were somewhere between five and 30 minutes in events. And then 19% of those, again, uh, were events that didn't actually, they didn't uh, recall how long the events had taken place. Out of that, 74% uh, of the sample that reported in 2019 were adults, so between the 20, uh, 25 to 64. Uh, that's our highest percentage. The second is 19% uh, between uh, zero, you know, nothing to 14. So these are these are actual demographics that's coming from Statistic Canada, which is why I have zero. Obviously, a baby can't report, but that's why she's there. Um, Argo says he's from Missouri. Well, hello, sir, from Missouri State, USA. And he's been researching alien phenomenon for 37 years. Amazing. Thank you for your service. You know, if you got a link, post it in the comments for others to see. You know, um, this is a service that we're doing. So if you're a fellow ufologist, you know, thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. And thank you for joining us tonight. So... Further on with the demographics, interesting enough, 65% of those who reported are female and the remaining 35% were male. 84% um, of the people when asked what their blood type was um, said they either didn't know what it was or they didn't want to divulge it. That was expected. I actually expected that to be uh, like 100%. Because why am I asking for what the blood type is? Well, the reason why I'm asking what the blood type is is because I'm trying to measure the trends uh, between experiences and certain blood types. Because there is a theory out there that certain blood types are associated with certain phenomenon. So this is just a little additional piece of uh, information um, that I collect. So 
outside of the people not knowing, I find it fascinating that the large percentages of 10% is actually A+. When we do a lot of research, we hear the R negative blood, RH negative or O negative blood, uh, or O positive uh, is, is the, um, you know, the God gene or whatnot. Um, but yet the sample shows that a smaller percentage of those who are experiencing scenarios that are unidentified actually have an A, a positive blood. So I find that, that information uh, quite interesting. Um, Anita, you asked if there are any hot spots. So uh, that's a good question. So the, the point of this, this data set too is for you to look at and, and determine what your hotspot would be. So there, so when I get down, when we say percentages, I suppose, uh, up here with the demographics of the location, you could say, uh, based on this sample, that Ontario is a hotspot uh, with 52%. So if you, if you continue to go further back up, like, and really look into this, this is really hard to see on this, on the screen right now, you could actually uh, determine where um, your own consideration of hotspots would be, but there's a lot of data here. So, you know, as we, this is the first year, this is the first sample. So as many years, uh, go by, we will, um, have more information to create those hotspots or, or suggest those hotspots. So Peter says, isn't the theory that the RH negative is somehow from alien DNA? So yes, Peter, that, that's what I was kind of uh, alluding to. That is a theory. So that's why I'm measuring. That's why I asked the question what your blood type is to see um, if that correlates with that theory based on the people that are reporting. Um, so far on this sample, um, I'm not seeing any evidence of that because the, the highest sample is, a, is an A positive. But as you can see, that 84% of these people that reported didn't divulge their blood blood type. So it's, it's, it's not really a true sample, but that's expected because it's personal information. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping as the years pass, um, more people will, will trust, uh, to divulge that information to get a true, a more true sample. O negative from Argo and Anita, a positive. Yes, you are a positive. Anita, you are in this, uh, I believe you have reported, um, it won't say you anywhere in here, but uh, if you do see your case in here, you know, thank you so much um, for your help. Um, where are we at here? So another thing I was measuring was the positive versus negative. So the interpretation of the event, 71% of the people reporting an paranormal or UFO event considered it to be a positive experience. 29% of that considered it to be negative. So I find this fascinating uh, personally because uh, a lot of people um, are reporting positive things. And if they're reporting positive things, then it's, it's, that's good. Um, the negative ones are, are not as, as high as I expected. Um, so this is good to see that a lot of people are, are accepting it and they're feeling good about it. Now, again, it's just a small sample, but... Um, for what now we're talking about the difference between isolated events and ongoing events. So did this event happen once in your lifetime? You've never seen anything like it before and anything after, or is it a continual event? So almost down the middle, uh, 55% of these are isolated, but 45% of these events were continuously and ongoing. Um, 
Now we're talking about injuries. Um, 77% of those who reported claim to not have any injuries, which is good. We don't want our people being hurt by aliens or demons. But there is a small percentage, seven people have reported to have claimed to have been injured during this experience. So I'm also measuring that. Um, the next part here is uh, relating to the rational thinking. So how many people think that the event was a normal or man-made event versus a paranormal event, or they have no explanation for what happened? So there is a high percentage of 39% um, stating that, um, 39% stating that people have no idea of what's going on. That's expected, and that's why Tessa is here. That's why I'm here is to help educate everyone so that way we get better data in the future. Um, most people believe it to be paranormal, so that includes UFO because the term paranormal means anything above normal or not normal. So technically a UFO or UAP or alien is classified as paranormal. So you UFO, you know, right-wing fellas over there, you know, you can eat it because paranormal, you know, Paranormal is paranormal, so you're you're definitely paranormal. And then we have 26% um, that have a rational thought, thinking it's 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 a drone or it's a it's an um, a sky lantern or I was sleeping. So there's a logical explanation. So it's nice to see this variance in the interpretation because what we're going to do later on is compare these events um, at face value, and we're going to try and reclass reclassify. Um, what everyone's interpreting and i'm hoping to be able to break uh break that up uh later on as i go through the sample uh lisa says i am positive i am an experiencer and a no i am a positive and i'm an experiencer in contact to you yes lisa you are definitely an experiencer oh alex hey buddy alex is a uh, fellow cryptozoologist uh from la california um he's probably what time is it back there so 10 o'clock now, take two away. So seven o'clock on your time, right on. Says you're doing a good job here, man. I really think that the observer perceptions, genetic details, even will play a big part in the future re research. This is important. I absolutely agree with you. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Alex and I have been talking. Uh, we actually do have a meeting scheduled sometime next Monday. Um, I. I'm going to really pick his brain and we're, uh, we're actually going to talk about how we can solidify and, and make this data like this. So Alex, for you, this is basically some of the, some of the stuff I was going to share. Um, but we're, we're, we want to get, I want to get rid of all the fluff. And I've asked Alex if he would entertain a zoom meeting with me in, in uh, next week uh, to talk about uh, what my future plans are for research and to change the classifications, to change the industry, to change the way ufology and paranormal studies have been for the last, I don't know, 50 some odd years. So he's a big guy. So, you know, I want to follow him, Alex Mistretta, go over his Facebook page. You know, that's a, that's a heavy hitter over there. Okay. Thanks for popping in. Um, again, sorry guys, this is completely unrehearsed. So, Okay, so this part is about evidence. So 87% of the people that reported in this sample, so it's 27 people, had some sort of documented or physical evidence. That is amazing. 
Okay, 13% didn't have any. Now, just be, that's a small percentage, but just because they didn't have any data doesn't mean we weren't able to retrieve some. But on face value, they were not able to document uh, any proper evidence as experience has happened. So as part of uh, the academy plan, we wanna be able to teach or educate people on how to collect the data on the spot. Um, so that way people like us can, can do um, better research or better uh, provide a better study for you. Now we break down into the uh, classifications, if you will. So with TESA, you can report an aerial phenomenon, abduction, uh, astral projection, extrasensory perception, apparition, entities, orbs, paranormal, cryptid. There's a few other things that are not listed here because they weren't reported in 2019. But we measure everything. So I, I used to do a lot of work for MUFON as a ufologist studying UFOs. Um, I don't just do that anymore. UFOs is, is so small in comparison to what I do um, because I, I'm studying the people. And that's what the survey is. They're trying to learn what type of individuals are affected by what phenomenon to try and figure out, um, try to predict uh, the right candidate to, to have the experience because we want to be able to, uh, I don't want to say use, that's a bad word to use, but I would like to you to have like Lisa, for an example, uh, she's reported quite a lot to us that I could, I could, um, I want to say prototype was the right word profile, uh, her as a certain type of experiencer where we may be able to manipulate an event to have her actually have uh, an experience the way that uh, she had experience again. And if we're able to do that, then we can record good data. So obviously with Lisa's consent. So, so, so part of this, uh, part of this study here is to bring everything together. I talk a lot about how I want to bring everything together. This is the data that supports that theory. I'm not just talking about it. There's actual research that correlates with it. So based on this sample, 29% of what came in were aerial phenomena. No surprise, that's what I used to do. They all know me for UFO. 19% um, were entities, still considered UFO because some of these uh, were could be extraterrestrial entities. Some of these could be um, Bigfoot or Sasquatch, depending on how they were classified. So for URGO, that would be some information for you there. 3% um, is decrypted. Um, we also have actual projection, which is what, 10%, extrasensory perception, what color is that, 3%, apparition is 6, entities 19, orbs is 10%, so that can be classified in aerial projection, uh, sorry, aerial phenomenon as well. Um, but again, this is the classification that the user chose to describe the event that they were perceiving at the time. So that is also a part of what I'm researching here is trying to understand that if here's an orb or here's, here's an unidentified object, do you call this an orb or do you call this aerial phenomenon? Do you call it a UFO or do you call it a UAP, right? Because everyone is calling it differently. But what we all can agree upon that there is something in the sky that does not make rational sense or cannot be explained. So it is unidentified. So what I am trying to do with this research as we continue to go on and go further is to remove the fluff and have all camps just at least agree that it's an aerial phenomenon because it's in the sky and it's moving and we don't understand what it is. So if you're gonna call it a UAP, if you're gonna call it a UFO, that's your 
interpretation or that's your classification, that's your culture, that's your, um, that's your descriptive word to describe um, what form of propaganda or, or uh, social mainstream media you've been subjected to your whole life. That, you know, um, but when we break it down, what's important is that common thread. Okay. Um, do, 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 do. Lisa says she just sent me an email. Okay. Thank you, Lisa. I will check that tomorrow. Uh, first thing in the morning. Okay. Um, Anita says, do you just want current experiences or in the past? So I want all the experiences because, uh, the thing is, 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 some people, uh, I do believe, Anita, some of yours were current. I think some of yours were from the past. Um, the idea, um, the the idea is that you got it off your chest. You uh, weren't holding on to it anymore. So if it's something you were holding on since 1979, get it out. You know, it's good data because something you saw back in the day. Uh, might relate to something that I that someone else saw earlier. So you, as an experiencer, are reporting one thing, but I, as the um, I guess the funnel or the resource or the database in terms of seeing all of these, I will be able to tell by your experience whether or not this is a duplicate or there's similarities with something else has happened. And then my role eventually is to connect you guys together because you guys will be able to remember same things or maybe you guys experience the same things. Like Lisa has a um, has a, an amazing event where she recalls being in a classroom with other people. Wouldn't it be freaking something if I happened to have someone else report and draw the same damn thing to find out that, that this experiencer was in the same classroom as, as Lisa in an extraterrestrial UFO, you know? So like, so like, you know, the, the way that the, so, so long story short, um, report everything. So the current part, the current aspect is important for the service uh, of this report because I want to talk about what's happening now. Every time someone asks me as an expert, hey, what, what do you think about Shag Harbor? What do you think about Falcon Lake? What do you think about Roswell, New Mexico? I'd be like, it's old news. You know, it happened. You know, and then they'd be like, well, why don't you tell me and talk to me about uh, Roswell, New Mexico? And I'd be like, well, do you have anything new to say? Well, no, we don't. I was hoping you would have something new to say. Um, and um, so just one second. So so if you don't have anything new to say, I don't want to talk about it, right? So I'm just going to one second here. Jamie's popped on, so maybe he's able to connect. Let me see here. Jamie, can you hear me? Jamie? Hey, I can kind of hear you. Um, I thought that I'd be in... I still can't hear you properly. Well, you're live right now, so just say your little piece and then uh, be at her. Well, uh, hi, everybody. Um, sorry, I can't hear what's happening, but uh, uh, I'm alive and I'm driving through the middle of nowhere. Um, if I was ever to be abducted by aliens, now would be the time. <laughs> All right, well, you stay safe. I hope you can hear me. <laughs> and... Uh, you make sure you get home before midnight. You can't hear me, can you? All right. Uh, enjoy the show. Uh, I can't wait to watch this. Um, I love you all. Okay. Peace out. Don't 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 die. Love you. Bye. Oh shit. Hey. Um. Oh.
element here. Uh, I'm really sorry, guys. I don't see any audio I'm looking at it. So, hear me. I'll to deal with it. Sorry. Um, what I'm trying to outline here is that there's a common thread of these three individuals Test one, two, test. So everything is working on my end, so I don't I don't know why it's muffling. I really don't know. So I'm just gonna keep going and I and I and I hope I hope that it uh, it works out here. So okay, now it's working. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. Maybe when Jamie came in, he, he screwed it all up. I have no idea. Okay. So now we're, let's get back into business here. So we have a variance, 67% perceived area phenomenon to be ET. Um, we have 1% considered it to be a military, uh, a military, military craft. We have 11% who perceived area phenomenon to be an orb. And we have uh, 11% who perceived it to be a drone. Okay, so again, we have um, we have a common uh, report of aerial phenomenon, but uh, they're interpreting the objects or perceiving the objects as something different. Okay, um, when we break down the apparitions. 50-50 split, one believed it to be a ghost, another one believed it to be a shadow. When we're talking about the entities, three people believed it to be a shadow figure, two pe uh, people believed it to be a human child, and one of the people reported an entity believed it to be a half human and half something else. So there's a breakdown, internal breakdown of the entities. So then I go into a list of the events described by the witnesses. So that, I'm not going to read all those now, but those are all there. So what I want to show you is what I've done since then, is if you go to the website and you go witness statements, this is new. 
Um, some of you guys might have seen some of the reports on the uh, on the Facebook already, but pretty well all of our cases that are unidentified are here for you uh, to look at. And you will have, it's what is here is the visuals to show you guys. Um, I'm hoping that you guys will see it and be like, I saw that too. So you'll want to report to us again, you know? And so there's a whole bunch of different things here. If you were to click on, uh, we'll use, um, I like, uh, I like this one, for example. So this is a military craft. So the explanation by the witness was, you know, driving my delivery truck to Lindsay on Trans Canada Highway 7 between Manila and Lindsay, aircraft was descending in my direction. I pulled over onto the soft shoulder, observed the aircraft, believing it to be a 747 uh, freighter plane. I sometimes observe aircraft during my deliveries and watch them. This was a clear moonlight night with very few clouds. I was intrigued by the descending aircraft so far away from Pearson International Airport. Another picture here. The aircraft was shown no marker uh, was showing no marker flashing strobes on wings. As the aircraft became more visible, I began to notice its outline. It was still descending slowly at a shallow angle. The wingspan was very wide with a slight pronounced bump, uh, middle bump, I assumed to be the cockpit area. At approximately a thousand feet, the aircraft began to level out and change its direction slightly. The landing lights dimmed at approximately 12 miles per hour. The aircraft flew past me to the left of the truck at approximately 500 feet. The aircraft was a perfect diamond shape, black with a dull white light in each corner of the diamond. Along the center line, but just behind the middle of the aircraft, a red revolving light turned slowly. It reminded me of an old police car revolving red lights. No engine noise heard or observed. The aircraft began to change direction, slightly moving west, northwest, and slightly increased speed and began to climb higher and higher. A long, thin cloud was behind me, and the aircraft flew into it. Uh, the cloud glowed white as the aircraft entered it and dimmed as it passed through it. I watched the aircraft pass into the distance and until it disappeared into the black night sky. So as you see here, he's reported this as an aerial phenomenon. I've classified it as, you know, with the ballet and Heine classification of a CE1 and FB1, uh, so fly-by-1 and close encounter of the first kind. Um, and then I have a call to action. So, so, so the purpose of these on the witness statements is so you guys can read them as the witness has reported it. I show you the evidence that we've collected through investigation. And, and, and the idea here is if that reminds you of something um, that you've seen elsewhere, then you, we can compare that to other researchers' work. We can compare that to, um, to your own work. Um, uh, and these, these are part of... Um, the way of getting the word out for the experiencers. So we've talked about Lisa uh, several times. She's very comfortable and she's very open with her cases. And I use her as a poster child because uh, we have her, just because we have her consent, it's easy It's it's easy to talk about her because I we've been working with her for a long time. Um, 
and I know Anita, you have some cases on here too. So, I mean, if you, if, if you see your cases and flipping through here, we can talk about it. Um, I just don't want you, I just don't want to identify you, um, uh, to any of these cases, but we talked about this case with Lisa many times here. Um, so for, for her, um, this, this helps, um, validate what has happened to her because now it's on paper. Now it's on print. If she ever wants to share her story, she can identify and say that this is my case. This is what happened to me. This is my experience. So uh, it's been written on her behalf as the experience based on, uh, you know, based on the permission that was given. So that is part of the reason why we do what we do is because we're trying to create awareness. And the best way to create awareness is to show. But we don't do that. That's why I'm reviewing, I'm releasing the 2019 stuff in almost near the end of 2020 because we've, we've worked all this time together. We spent all this time learning and, and, and getting the information and working through the emotions and the comfort to get to this point. Um, other organizations just want to pump the information out and, and just show it before it's even investigated. This, these are already investigated. These are already closed. These are already unidentified. And I have and what you don't see here is my investigative report. Lisa has a copy of my investigative report in case anyone ever, anyone ever wants to challenge it or anything like that. And I have a redacted form that I could provide if, a, if any investigator wants to, wants to review it. Um, so, you know, that's basically the ebb and flow of that. So I'm going to spend the last little bit talking about the reporting system. If you guys have any questions now would be, you know, you know, we can talk about that at the end. Um, since I did cut out, you know, I don't know how long, so we'll, we'll do uh, we'll do the questions here um, at the end for as long as you guys are entertained. But I, I would like to break down the reporting system. Okay, so so you can actually understand what questions are being asked and why they're being asked. Okay, first of all, this form is mobile, tablet friendly, and and web friendly. So no matter where you are, you can pick up your phone and you can just document it. Okay, um, this is a form of expression. So at the end of the report, I'm hoping that you just feel good because you've talked about it with yourself. You've written it down. You've gotten it out of your head. You've reread it. You've proofread it. And then at the end of it, if you decide to click send, then we get it and then we can work with you. But if you get all the way to the end and you read it and you're like, you know what? I don't want to send this. Then you don't have to. But somewhere along the process, and I guess I'll, I'll, I'll turn to Lisa and Anita here if you guys can validate as somewhere along the process of filling out the report, it helped you guys understand or or uh, think about the event in, in, in a different way. Most I could ask you what happened. You could tell me everything, but this is asking you specific questions to help me investigate and to also probe you into divulging or thinking differently about your own experience. Because when it when it's in your mind, all that information is hard to get out. Um, especially if it's associated with trauma and, and, and uh, some sort of trauma. Okay. So um, the first question, the most important question is, did you witness this event? If you say no, okay, say you're reporting it for somebody else, it's going to tell you this. This event must be reported by the original witness to ensure that the data is 100% accurate. Okay. If you're filling out this form for the witness, make sure you have permission 
and you provide their proper contact information, meaning I don't want your contact information. I want their contact information because it's them that we want to talk to. Failure to do so will result in an inaccurate investigation. Why? Because I'm not talking to the source, right? Um, but some people may not have access to the internet, you know, so there's, there's, there's reasons for that. Um, oh, Lisa, you've experienced something new. Lisa, did you fill out a report? Like a new case for me? Yeah. All right. I hope, I hope it's a positive one. I hope, I really hope it's positive. Um, so we assure you that your personal information will be kept confidential. If you have any concerns or would like to share the experience as, uh, experience as general knowledge, please contact Tessa directly. So basically it's a redirect. So then you're like, okay, well, uh, I am the original witness, right? Because if you wanted to be anonymous and you want to say no, you have to say yes in order to get in. So now that you're in, okay, you did witness the event. So including yourself, how many witnesses are there uh, to this event? You have your selection of one to five or more, okay? So if it was just you, you just pick one. Are you or any of the witnesses willing to be contacted for more information? So that's just consent. If you don't want to be contacted, you say, no, we won't contact you. We'll just investigate based on the information you provided. If you want us to reach out to you, then you say, yes, we, we need to know uh, what you want. Okay. Um, have you reported this event to anyone else? Um, so the answer would be, you could say no. Okay. We're getting it for the first time. If you say yes, um, and then it's going to ask you the question, who did you report to? So we only want relevant information so, so, um, so that way we can do something. So for an example, if you reported to the police or you reported to another, um, another uh, UFO reporting agency, um, that indicates to us that there's more information or different information because their survey or their questionnaires are different. They might ask different questions. So they might have additional information that we can use. So from that, I'll go and I'll make a formal request to share, have them share that information with us so that way we can help you. Um, so lately, um, the other organizations have not been cooperating with me, um, but I did get a referral from, uh, from uh, MUFON Canada today. Jason uh, Carnegie, if you're watching this, uh, thank you so much for referring a, uh, a paranormal shadow figure event to us today. So that's good to know. Um, so this is a little bit of a survey. Were you satisfied with the with their performance? So say you did report to another agency and you were satisfied, then that's good. You want to know, right? What uh, If you weren't satisfied, then you get to tell us how we could do better. We just want to know what the other people, what you were expecting from the other ones and what they didn't do. And then you want us, uh, we want to know what you want so that way we can give uh, provide more value uh, uh, to you. Okay, were you referred? We would like to know where you heard us from. We wanna know where marketing is coming from. We wanna know, we wanna thank the people that are referring us to, uh, referring you to us. So once that's all of the way, the question is, would you like the report to be anonymous? So if you say no, then that's fine. That means we can say your name, just like Lisa. She, you know, we're able to say your name because she said no to anon anonymity. But if you were to say yes, okay, we specify. Only statistical data and direct evidence will be used to inform the public. Your personal information will not be released. So what that means is I will share the gen the images, I will share the story, I will show the, gen the, the demographics, I'll add it to the report, but I'm not gonna tell them who you are 
you know, I'm not going to tell them where you live. I'm not going to tell them all that. That's, that's, that's confidential. So a lot of people seem to have a, uh, a misconception of what's anonymous and what's, and what's confidential. But I have that here to explain that to you to make sure you're fully aware of the answers you're selecting, okay? Contact information, your first, last name, date of birth, uh, phone number. We want to know if that's a cell phone or a landline. So if it's a cell phone, then we have the ability to text you. Um, if it's a uh, if it's a landline, then we know we have to call you, right? So that helps us get a hold of you the best way. Okay. If you have an email, then we have that. Um, we ask what your prefer method of contact is. So if you prefer to be contacted by email, then tell us that, and we'll reach out that way. If you prefer to be contacted by phone, then we'll call you, so that way we can get a hold of you. Okay. The next part is is we ask where the experience occurred. We don't care where you live unless uh, where the experience happened was in your home. But we're, we have no way of knowing that the experience happened at your home if, unless you tell that at the very end. So what this, what this means is you're able to talk about your personal space without identifying that your personal space because it doesn't matter because we're looking into the the building itself, the location, the gen, the graphical area of that. And when we, we share this information with the public, um, they commonly want to know where it happens. We can tell where the event happened without connecting the event to your home. If that, if that makes any sense. So it's just a safer way of, of, releasing the evidence with uh, while protecting your confidentiality. Okay, so um, if you don't know the street number, you don't know where it is, you're trying to remember, there's a quick link here. Google Maps will help you find the address. You need to find the postal code. There's quick little links there to help you because we need that information. Um, then we ask for the date the event occurred. If it wasn't exact, that's fine. If it's approximate, that's fine. Okay, so you just be specific. Then we want to know how old the, you were when the event happened. It doesn't matter how old you are now. Um, other organizations like to collect all this information about you and where you live and where you work and all that other stuff it has nothing to do with the event. Uh, I just want to know where it happened and I want to know how old you were when it happened. Right. So hello, hello, hello. Oh, Lisa. Oh, it's not a positive one. I'm sorry, Lisa. I also sent you pictures my mom took on the emails as well. Okay, thank you, Lisa. I will look into that tomorrow. Hello, Jean-Francois. All right, this is the man. This guy here, I'm going to take a quick little... I'm going to talk about him at the end, or maybe I'll talk about it right now. No, we'll wait till the end. This guy, no, we'll do it right now. This guy here uh, works for Adipan, and he is officially uh, a partner and affiliate of, uh, of Tessa. And we're just working through the details now, but we're, he's going to give us a couple posts uh, at some point to share on the Tessa page uh, to announce uh, what he does and where he's from. And he's, he has accepted the offer of representing um, the uh, province of Quebec for Tessa as the uh, Quebec ambassador. So that that's basically means he's going to be my guy in Quebec doing what I do here in Ontario. So if any of you guys speak French, um, and, and you need to talk specifically in French, uh, I'll be referring you to, to Jean-Francois, okay? So, uh, John, this is going to be a repeat for you because I talked to you about this this morning. Um, so, again, we want to know how old you are when the event happened. Then we ask that question uh, about your blood type. want to know, uh, measure the trends of, of the blood type. What time did it start? Uh, what time did it end? Um, and then I want to know if it's an ongoing or isolated incident. 
I want to know if it's a positive or negative experience. What these do is these kind of indicate when, when I'm looking at a batch of cases, if it's ongoing, then that will kind of bump it up in terms of uh, we need to really look at this. If it's negative, it also will bump it up a little bit further for me to look at that prior to the ones that are isolated and positive because that basically means that the person's just reporting it for good information. There's no emergency. Okay, so so if you believe it to be negative, select negative, and, and but don't lie about it, you know, because um, there's a lot of negative, and 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 we have to triage everybody like a hospital. We have to, you know, we have to deal assess with them in the order, and they take a while. They take a while, and if you're in great danger, you should call the police. But I assure you, uh, I put a lot, a great deal of hours into every single case, which is why it takes so long uh, for me to get back to you. Um. Were there any injuries or damage caused to anyone during this experience? That's important to know. Um, and then you have your type of experience. So you can select where it's categorized. Is it an abduction, an aerial phenomenon, an astral projection, an apparition, a crop formation, cryptid, entity, extrasensory uh, perception, human-initiated contact, orbs, possession, unexplained livestock death, unusual or paranormal activity, or unusual weather phenomena. If you're unsure of what it is, you can select abduction, for an example, and it'll give you a definition. The action of an instance of forcibly taking someone against their will. Okay? If you aren't sure if you had an ex uh, ESP, you know, ESP is defined as perception that involves awareness of information about events external to the self not gained through the senses and not deductible from previous experience. If you're not sure if uh, you uh, saw an apparition, well, an apparition is defined as a term uh, as an anomalous experience characterized by the apparent perception of either a living being or an inanimate object without there being any material stimulus for such a perception. So transparency. So from there, so we'll use apparition for an example. You're going to have a subcategory. Which of, which of these words best describes what you saw? Was it a ghost? Was it a mist? Was it a shadow? So with this is your individual interpretation of what this apparition was, because the apparition definition is essentially what a ghost, mist, and shadow always is. It's just this is the individual interpretation of what you are calling it. It's like a first name. My name is Ryan. You identify me as Ryan Stacy, right? But I am a human being. That's my classification. Homo sapiens sapien. So, you know, like, so we have all these titles. As an example, cryptid, right? If you selected a cryptid, Alex, if you're still watching this, you know, for cryptid zoology, um, send a comment if you're still watching this, dude. Uh, cryptid is defined as an animal or creature whose existence or survival is disputed or unsubstantiated. Your subcategories are aquatic, avian, canine, feline, primate, or reptile. There's no leading question. Notice that I have primate, primate, ape. I don't have Bigfoot. I don't have Sasquatch, Sasquatch. I don't have Yeti because those are names given from different cultures. But the species, the Bigfoot, or so the species that resembles what you saw, if you see Bigfoot or a Sasquatch or, or a Yeti, the species would be a primate or at least close to which resembles to because the next part is is this selection exactly what you experienced or different so if you say exactly well then it probably wasn't ape. but if you say different 
then you can explain it was Bigfoot or it was Sasquatch. So, so the reason why it's split up this way is so that way we can identify that you believe it to be a Sasquatch, but it's easier for me to go to this location and look for a monkey than it is for me to look for Bigfoot. If, if, if you under, if you sense my, sense my drift here. Um, and also we don't want to lead into, uh, any misleading information. We want to know what you saw. We want to break it down. Um, then we ask what direction you're facing. That's important for, for, for mapping it. Um, describe the movement. Then you get to describe the event. Usually when you get here, all that information has already been provided. You don't need to put more than a few lines here because you've already described everything. Then I ask what your logical explanation is. If you say you, you think it was an ape, it, it probably was an ape. That's your logical brain telling you that it's probably probably something you recognize. So that's the first place that, I'm, excuse me, I'm going to start looking. Um, it's the first place I'm going to start looking. Um, if you think it's a drone, then I'm going to start looking at drones because if, if it's not, a, if you're right, then, then there's some information there. But if you're wrong, then we eliminate that. Then we need to find out what it is. And also it tricks your brain into actually trying to think, okay, am I crazy or did I actually see something, right? And the next, uh, and then this question here is what would you like us to do with the report? So if you want me to categorize it, if you want me to investigate, if you want me to refer you to regression or Reiki, um, you put that in there. So I need to know exactly what has happened, what you want out of it, just to make you happy. Because, because I'm doing a service for you, but in order to provide that service to you, I need to fully understand um, what it is you're looking for. Okay? And then the last part here, or almost last part, is what about this experience uh, can be said to consider this report credible? Basically, what that means is why should, what can you say about yourself and this experience to make me believe that you're telling the truth? You can say anything you want. Um, other organizations base credibility on your um, academics, whether or not you have university, whether or not you're military, whether or not you're, uh, you, you, you have a high paying job. Sometimes that matters depending on what you're reporting. Sometimes that hinders what you're reporting. Um, I can tell you that a lot of these reports that I have in here are people who suffer from some sort of mental health that is not associated or had anything to do with what they're reporting but had they have mentioned that or had that happened to be any relevance to to uh the investigation people would use that to discredit them but it the the, the you know but it has nothing to do with it because the reason why i say it has nothing to do with it because there's multiple people who don't have mental illnesses reporting the same thing so so if you want to say i'm a hard-working parent and i got nothing else to lose i have uh, nothing better to do than waste my time, uh, filling this report out or I don't fuck you. I don't care if you believe me or not. That's good enough for me. You know, you know, you just got to think to yourself for that moment. If I was talking to a cop, if I was talking to a judge, if I was talking to a lawyer and I, and, and you needed to prove once and for all that this event had happened, what would you say as, as, as your testimony? And that helps with your brain to, to process. Okay, um, then 
are there any relative concerns that you might have with sharing the experience to help others? So if you say no, then that's good. We can share it. If you say yes, then I'll send you an email and I'll ask for more clarification about what you're concerned about. And I'll hopefully have a conversation like this to make you help you feel more comfortable or at least, or at least identify your concerns and make sure that we handle it the proper way. Okay. Um, is the report, is this the only report you'll be submitting about this event? So if you say yes, then, then we can start right away. But if you say no, what you're indicating to me is that there's multiple things. So the way that this is set up, if we go back up here, so say you have, and let me see here. Again, let's use Lisa's experience as an example. So she had a visitation by an entity um, and she was taken upon a craft and she observed another craft. So we have an entity, we have an abduction, and we have uh, an aerial phenomenon. So in other reporting agencies, you can report the whole story and then they can investigate it as a whole. But what we like to do is we like to investigate each of the events separately. So what Lisa would have had to done, she would have had to make a report specifically about the aerial phenomenon and then make a report specifically about the entity, which is defined as a physical humanoid type being, you know, which was at best, you know, extraterrestrial, right? And then she would have to provide another one um, about the abduction. So what this allows me to do is do three investigations about three different subjects. But at the end of it, I look at Lisa as an individual and I have three cases that, that build up her credibility. And at the same time, I have more information to compare and I was able to bring, bridge together separately and show that all those events were connected. So which, which we now consider her what's called a multiple experiencer, okay? A lot of these individual experiences don't actually start with, like it starts with one, but regression will bring you back to realize that you've been visited or possibly contacted multiple times throughout your life. And we have to investigate each of those times throughout your life to, to understand the timeline to try and provide an interpretation of the purpose, okay? Um, so skip through all that. If you make it through all the way here, um, if necessary, are you willing to complete other forms? So that's just basically saying if we have more information, which we will have, you know, to go deep dive into our reports in the future, you're willing to for us to reach out again. A little bit of a funnel here. Do you want to be added to the newsletter? If you say yes, we do it for you. If you say no, we won't add you. Um, and then this thing here at the bottom is, would you like your location featured on our Patreon exclusive Operation Paranormal. So what that is, is our, our little uh, our little film project. Uh, you're basically giving us consent to contact you to film you or the location um, to create a different element of sharing your story, okay? Um, not every case uh, will be selected, but yeah, once we get permission to do that from you, so um, then we have a, a, a wider selection to contact. And then, if you would like a report of your copy, which I, uh, sorry, a copy of your report, I highly recommend you hit, you say yes and you provide your email address. So at the minimum, you spent the time and you filled out this report and you click send. You will get a document from me with a case number of all the information on a piece of paper for you to print off and add to your personal journal. So you can also look at this reporting agency as uh, an archive for your own events. 
So without me investigating, you already received something for your time. You've already received a, a document displaying your event on paper. Also, you have a contract binding between Tessa and you because you have released your information, you have told us what your concerns are, and you have told us what you don't want and what you do want. So if I were to not get back to you and I were to do stuff like share your information on the witness statements, okay, if I had done that without you clicking, uh, giving me consent on that form, you can then come back with that same contract and say, hey, I didn't allow that, take it down. And then you would be absolutely right. So there's there's absolutely no way once you fill that report out to question whether or not we what we're doing with the evidence and 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 what you expect from us. Everybody's on the same page and we want you to be comfortable because we want you to trust us. Right. Because you're giving us information. We're sharing the information. But once you understand what we're sharing and how we're sharing it and why we're sharing it, there's that different level of comfortability. So. The double-edged sword here is that this also defers a lot of people from actually reporting. I get analytics on the website showing that a lot of people visit this page and a lot of people fill out the report, but they don't actually click send. So what that indicates to me is that me, it doesn't show that the system isn't working. The system works fine. Um, is that they've gotten to the end and maybe going through the process, they solved it and it helped them. Or they realize, you know what? I don't actually feel comfortable and I don't want to share this information and that's okay. But you know what? They got that far. They made it to the end. They did that. And if it helped them just that little bit, then we, uh, we, we've helped. That's the point. Um, I've said this many times. Do not, do not, uh, don't, don't keep it inside. So that's, that's it. I'm at the hour. Um, anybody have questions? Let's do questions. You know, if anybody's got any, um, let me just switch back over to to me. There I am. Howdy. Let's 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 take some questions, and uh, we'll go from there. All right. Um, if you guys are listening to this or watching this live, and you haven't subscribed to the YouTube page, um, please subscribe. Share the YouTube channel. Um, we need to have more people, you know, following us so people can chime in live and 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 uh, have a conversation here. Um, there's my cat. There's a bit of a delay, so we'll just, I'll just wait a little bit, see if a question pops in, and we'll go from there. Nope. Someone's got to have a question. There's five videos watching, three on Facebook, two on YouTube. No questions? I hate to cut it off if there's a delay in you guys writing your questions. So. All right. Well, I guess that's that. So thanks for watching. Um, tune in next week. Jamie, I don't think Jamie has any other plans. Uh, oh, oh, here's a question. There we go. Anybody notice clones of people, you know, in, say, Australia or New Zealand um, from TV shows? 
And I, I don't, I can't quite say I understand the question. Like clones of like you saying people are being duplicated in Australia. Um, I don't know. I mean, the technology for cloning uh, I've read uh, is in development. Uh, it's possible to clone. Um, what's the reason for cloning? You know, um, I don't know. I have not seen any clones. I've seen twins. Uh, Peter says, you've explained everything so well and no question needed. Thank you, Peter. And Dale says, I only wish for this channel and Tessa to do great. Well, thank you, Dale. Um, please share this channel with your friends. Please share it on your Facebook, share it on your media, have people subscribe. Um, everyone who shares this and, and likes it, if you like what we're doing, it, share so other people can, can benefit from it. Other people can comment. Other people can learn. Um, you know, uh, this is a service that I'm providing for you, uh, you know, free uh, you know, for humanity, just to, you know, just to be there, you know, it's Thursday night, 10 o'clock. You guys don't have anything else to do and you're spending your time with me. So I appreciate your attention. I appreciate, uh, um, you being here and, uh, yeah, thanks for putting up with my awkwardness because I don't have my wingman there, Jamie. And I, uh, wasn't prepared to, I didn't do any preparation for tonight. So that was off the cuff. So I guess that's, is that it for questions? Dale, Anita, Peter, who we got? Elle, do you have any questions? Lisa, any questions? John, any questions before I go? You guys are all commenting here. Should check on the staff to work with Oopsies. All that phone is downstairs, isn't it? Oops. Uh, thank you. You're very thorough, Ryan. Impressive work for posting here. I don't do Facebook. Thank you for the compliments. Uh, you don't have to do Facebook. You found me here on YouTube, so that's so that's good. You know, um, if you are talking to people in in your area or you're out on a gathering and the topic of UFO or paranormal comes up. You know, just just drive them to the website. Drive them to uh, the the website uh, or the uh, the YouTube page. Just show them, get them to like, and and you know, endorse it. You know, uh, if you don't like what we're doing, then don't share it. You know, um, we I'm from Ontario. Uh, I originated with uh, with Mufon Canada. Um, I've covered a lot of ground within Canada. Um, however, I'm open to research, uh, anything and everything in the entire world. So, so this, this, the goal is to provide this service, especially through social media, um, to anyone in the world that needs it. There's actually a lot of countries out there that haven't heard of, uh, the big, uh, conglomerates, um, and don't even uh, have a resource to report their UFO sightings to. So if Tessa got out there, that would be amazing. Um, John says, at the job, I don't have any question. All is good. Well, hope your boss isn't watching there, John. <laughs> and he says, this, do you have a case of alien hybrid kids with black eyes? John, yes, I do. Yes, we do. And I, 
Anita, I think that's your case, question mark. Ask me, uh, correct me if I'm wrong or don't say anything at all. Um, let me let me bring her up here. Share the screen again. And I will show you. Witness statements. There's two, if I recall, 31 and 32. Yeah, right here. So 31 is an entity, human, child, and so is 32. Um, so this one here, this witness statement, June 4, 2019, found myself, Onita, so it is yours, okay. Found myself looking at roughly 12-year-old boy. I felt as if I was laying down. He was staring at my midsection. I felt like I had no clothes on. I was studying his face, a bit strange. Huge around black eyes. I said, what do you want? He snapped his head towards me, and all I saw were these black eyes getting closer. I'm out black. So that's this one here. And then the secondary event, similar, um, as I was laying down and I could see a young female sitting on something close to my head. I looked at her knowing how strange she looked. I can only describe her as a pixie girl. Straw-like short, dirty blonde hair, and crabby pajama-like clothes. Uh, his elbow, sorry, his elbows on her knees and her, her head in her hands. I said, what do you want? She quickly looked at me, and all I saw were eyes coming towards me out black. So this is what we got on that. So this has been investigated thoroughly. Um, I don't have an explanation for that. Anita has the report on that. Um, and again, a baseline, if, uh, if I see something else that looks like this, we can compare these black eyes to, uh, other things. Actually, you know what, we'll talk about comparisons here. Um, a neat little thing, this case here, and Lisa, I think you'll appreciate this one. Um, this, oh, come on. this case here. And this case here. So this is a report from that says, I turned over, I opened my eyes and I saw Sonny and Cher on the TV. Uh, I opened my eyes wider and I saw a figure standing in front of my, uh, front of me alongside my bed, looking down on me. I went into cold sweats. I wanted to get out of bed, but I couldn't. I felt uh, held down even though I wasn't touched. I stood up on the bed. The entity put its arm out with its hand open and pushed towards me. Immediately after I was pushed to the other, uh, searched to the corner of the room where I was held, he was dragged, he dragged me across the wall. I was screaming and kicked for name redacted and then laid me, and then laid me on my back. He never touched me during this experience. I was shoved against the headboard and held there. So this is what they drew, okay? Okay, so what is interesting here, and I'm, I'm explaining this information for the first time. I want to dive into this case too. This is another case of Lisa's, but Lisa had drawn something very similar. Okay, so this is something similar identified 
as an ET abduction. This one was identified as a shadow figure entity. This is what, what the witness had classified. So we have two different interpretations of classification, case in point. This is what he drew. This is what she drew. Very similar. We have the cloak. We have the dark. We have the hand. The hands look very similar. If we go further down, Lisa was able to identify the features of the face. So by comparing and measuring all these things separately and together at the same time, I'm able to use these two separate cases to verify that this person saw something similar to what she reported. So therefore, if I have to debunk or discredit this report, I would have to debunk and discredit this report as well. But I can't. I, this one is unidentified as well as this one. So therefore, it's possible based on the visual point that we're experiencing either this is a shadow figure or this is an entity or both of them are the same or they both saw the same being. So that is why I do what I do and everything is separated. It takes more time. It takes longer for me to get back to it, but I assure you that um, this is research that has never been done before. Uh, and I know that because I've been around the block and I've been a part of the leading organizations that do it and they don't spend any time dealing with the people inside the craft, let alone looking for the craft. And I'll be completely honest, as a ufologist, and I mean, John, I know you're a ufologist, but you're you're on the side here of, of uh, supporting the witness. <sighs> but once disclosure happens, all that's going to basically do is confirm that the military has military tech. That's it. Nobody, nobody is, is paying any interest into the people right now, which is why we're doing what we're doing. We're, we're looking towards the future uh, of, of disclosure. So when disclosure happens, all these, all these asshats doing ufology are, are going to be out of a job. You know, um, what's important is, is the people that are affected are going to need someone to turn to. And, and again, that's why, that's why I created Tessa. That's why we're here. Um, and L says, I will tell my girls about your organization and website. They have had experiences too. Thank you. Uh, please do that. Uh, go to the reporting. Let me see here. I can put that up on a banner. Yeah. So the banner down here below. I should have had that running the whole time. Sorry. I'm lost without you, Jamie. So anyways, that's it. It's like it's time for bed. I got I to gotta restart my computer. And uh, probably have another tea, wind down, and uh, hit the sheets and get up in the morning and run the blacklight office. So thanks for watching. Thanks for your entertainment. Thanks for sharing your Thursday with me. Have a good night. Keep your eyes in the sky. Stay with me, guys. Need the world. All right. Peace.